Hi, thank you for joining us today here on our global live stream. And we are live from the global headquarters of the world's best capitalized bank headquartered in the world's best capitalized country. And we want to take a look post second quarter earnings at how we're seeing the world. We thank uh, all the people joining us on LinkedIn. And then we're going to go to a client portion talking about investment recommendations later. So many years ago, a uh, very wise UBS colleague said to me uh, his version of an ancient proverb, when elephants dance, the mice get nervous. And last year, the global central banks, the elephants hit the dance floor with a series of moves, uh, the fastest rate hikes ever. Uh, U.S. mortgages tripled uh, in, in their in rates. So that was one of the fastest increases. So there was a lot of dancing going on. These were new moves after so many years of rates going lower and statements like we'll do whatever it takes to provide liquidity to markets. So I think for us, we uh, decided that that would be a time to lean into the juicy yields and, and wait and see a little bit how these things were planning out and panning out. And, uh, you know, post second quarter earnings, I want to turn it over to our cavalcade of stars to fill in the blanks. So let's start with you, Mark Anderson. Tell us about uh, risks in the first half of the year and how things are looking right now. Thanks so much, Mark, and uh, welcome everybody from my side as well. So I think the first thing I would say is that we've really been quite positively surprised in terms of how well the U.S. economy has been doing through a period of Exactly like you say, Mark, rates moving higher just for mortgages, any consumer loans, business loans, what have you. And what we have seen is really this extraordinary strength with U.S. economic activity close to two, two and a half percent over the last years, so very close to potential. And one of the things that we are really worried about if we assume time back roughly four, four quarters ago was that we had this very severe headache for consumers, which was one where inflation on one hand side was very high. Wages were growing at a stellar pace, but not really enough to sort of cover for inflation. So real wages were negative. However, what we saw the U.S. consumer do, and never underestimate the U.S. consumer, I learned 20 years ago when I started this business here, is for them to really continue consuming. And what we saw was really leaning into some of that savings that had been uh, sort of put aside during COVID. And we've seen sort of savings rate coming down, credit card spending going up. But what the consumer has managed is essentially to, to, to live through this more difficult period. And what we see now on the following page is that with inflation rates starting to, to come down more meaningfully, both on a headline and a core level, is that we've really started to move now to a situation where we have positive uh, real wage growth. And that's something that we believe puts us in a situation where we are unlikely to see uh, an economic recession, in particular in the US, over the next uh, six to 12 months, and which really gives us a bit of a different landscape. And something we talk a lot about, Mark, is where we are in this cycle. We've thought late cycle for a long time. That's where bond is doing the best in risk-adjusted return, almost in all occasions relative to equity markets. But as we're sort of stepping into a bit more of a potential stable economic environment, at least equities have the, the potential to do reasonably well over our tactical horizon as well. And last little thing I would note, Mark, is just on the last page here with corporate earnings. We've seen it in the second quarter results is that not only does it appear as if corporate earnings in the US have troughed, but we're also starting to see that revisions, which were negative just a few months back, have started to move upwards on this more positive economic environment when we're listening to the guidance of uh, the majority of companies in the US, but frankly speaking, also across the world market. Okay, so uh, 
you know, I think what you'll hear a lot in the news perhaps about, well, are the U.S., is the U.S. consumer finally spending down that excess savings? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's lasted a lot longer than people anticipated. But I think some of the points that you raised, Mark, are, well, that's while the excess savings is getting spent down, now we're seeing the real wage wages rising, which gives, gives consumers some spending power. And of course, also the yields on savings accounts is also adding a little bit to uh, people's spending power. So really, uh, you know, like you said, counting out the American consumer just yet, that's been a mistake and we don't want to do that uh, too early. Now, flipping... Uh, China has disappointed, and I think the you, the Chinese consumer is also uh, disappointed a bit as well. So, can you walk us through uh, that region of the world and how we're thinking about it? Absolutely, Mark. If we skip a couple of slides onwards, then uh, let's let's have a look at what what China is looking like these days. So, first of all, we had this uh, what we were expecting, sort of a more of a bombastic reopening in Q1, which led to a consumer-led rally. The property sector was doing better. The housing market, broadly speaking, uh, as well. And from there on, really, economic activity started petering out, and we were sort of expecting. Growth rates currently have been around seven and a half to eight percent, as we see sort of on the picture here, but really came in below that expectations at around six percent current run rate. There's a lot of concerns that with latest economic data out from, from China, we're going to get much below that. We're really sort of in a deacceleration in terms of economic growth. But Premier Lee has been out very recently, really reconfirming that 5% growth rate. So I think while we're seeing growth coming in below expectations, there's a lot of policy measures that are likely to support growth at around this 5% target for the year. Some of these metrics, they center around things such as cutting interest rates. It's a support for the property sector. It's... Uh, a lot of new uh, loans to the to the local governments that uh, is basically encouraged to stimulate growth and get the sort of consumer back on track. So that's sort of one thing here, Mark, where slowing relative to expectations, but a bit of a, I'd say, uh, support underneath the economy from uh, the policymakers. Again, very, very different from what we're seeing in the rest of the world where rates are going higher. Fiscal stimulus is moving down. China's essentially lowering rates. They're adding stimulus. So more positive backdrop. From a global perspective, it doesn't really have negative ramifications as long as growth rates are running where they are. And there's even a little bit of a positive here, Mark, that we are seeing in terms of the inflation picture. Uh, we're essentially seeing that when we look at uh, producer prices or any sort of inflation metrics in China, they're more struggling with deflation, to be honest. So the prices that we are importing in the other parts of the world also here combined with a weaker uh, CNY at the moment, so, so the Chinese currency, uh, we're essentially seeing a bit more of a deflation being imported from the West. So that's a positive positive in this picture where we note, Mark, that, that inflation is such a crucial component here for economic activities to stabilize and for central banks to next year coming back in a more of a supportive, supportive fashion for the world economy and uh, equity markets as well. Okay, so it sounds like we got to stay tuned for more policy measures to know whether or not China is going to hit its 5% GDP target. But, uh, you know, there is certainly a precedent for those measures to come online as the government steps up stimulus. Thank you for joining us from LinkedIn. Make it a great day.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.